I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars I hear I intended to mention before we started today that our college group is on retreat. That's why we've had this area down here has just been packed, and now it's kind of sparse. Appreciate Trey and Laura trying to fill it up over there. It's always good to see Adam and Madison come home and visit as well. But uh, anyway, they should be heading back from HEB encampments fairly soon if they're not already. So remember them in your prayers. I know they've had a great retreat. Just pray for their safety as they return. Also wanted to mention and say congratulations to the Kiefers. Dwayne and Sally Kiefer are celebrating this weekend their 65th wedding anniversary. Let's congratulate them. Uh, I know some of their kids are here and uh, celebrating with them. It's just great to see you and uh, what a blessing you are to this church. And we pray God's blessings on you as a home. When I was looking at the uh, lessons for class time, you know, in the fall we try to coordinate our classes and sermons, and so I looked at the curriculum and saw that today in Bible class you were covering John chapters 3 and 4. How did that go? Did did y'all get through that? I thought, wow, that is a lot of things to go through, and what am I going to touch on that maybe will complement that without repeating that? Well, then I started looking at what verse to read, and I decided to read kind of the hinge between the two chapters. We're not really going to talk about this passage, but it's a good passage, and we don't ever read it much in public. So here goes. We're going to read John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36. Let's be standing, please. This truly is the gospel, the word of God in our lives. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks about earthly things. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, yet no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted his testimony has certified this, that God is true. He whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has placed all things in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever disobeys the Son will not see life, but must endure God's wrath. May God bless the reading of his word. times of the worship time is when I get to stand up here and while Chris or Brian is leading a song and just get to look at you guys. Uh, I get to see folks that maybe I haven't made contact with in a while and I make a mental note that we need to visit a little bit. I'd love to reestablish that uh, relationship. But you know what hit me today? We got a lot of tall people in this congregation. You know, Quade McKinnon, who is an athlete here at ASU, came up and read our scripture. And how tall are you, Quade? Six five. 
he's not necessarily the tallest person in this room, I don't think. I was surprised. If you're over six foot tall, would you stand? Come on, everybody's over six. Let's welcome these people that know how to grow. All right. <laughs> yeah, now, that means nothing at all, but I don't know. There is something that means something, though. This statement that I have on the screen above me is one of the most significant statements in all of Scripture. I mean, it's a statement that you can meditate on, you can sit and unpack, you know, the meaning of it, and let it feed you and guide you through the week. Now, is, y'all having trouble seeing that? You know, I type that into the computer, and I thought, well, you can't see that, and the reason why you can't see it is because it's a white background, and guess what color the lettering is? It's white. But I promise it's there. So I decided, well, I need to, re- you know, to reverse that lettering. I need to make the lettering black. So I did. So there it is. All right? But you still can't see it because now the background is black. What do you need in order to read something? Contrast. That's right. There's the contrast. And it can be either way. You can have the letters black and the background white, or you can have the background black and the letters white. But either way, it's in the contrast that the meaning is seen. Well, that's true in Scripture as well. Many times we do, you know, we compare Scriptures, but a lot of times what the Scripture begs us to do is to see the contrast. And I want us to look at the contrast that we find now in John chapter 3 as contrasted with John chapter 4. I've often said this, but one of the most amazing things about Scripture is that right after John chapter 3, guess what you find? John chapter 4. That's not an accident, you know? And what I mean by that is that that the stories that are in John chapter 3 were put there, and then as John was writing, he said, now we need to tell these stories. And the stories in John chapter 4 somehow tie in to the stories in John chapter 3. And in this particular case, what we're really going to see is how much contrast there is between the two, how different the stories in John chapter 3 are from the stories in John chapter 4. You can see the contrast right there, can't you? Well, there's not a lot of contrast. Let's try this. Okay, there's chapter 3. Is that a little more contrast? But let's try it like this. In John chapter 3, we have the story of Nicodemus. In John chapter 4, we have the story of the woman at the well. And I don't know of two passages that bump into each other like this that are any more different than these two stories. Let's explore just a little bit the differences. First of all, of course, Nicodemus is a man. Does anybody know what the woman at the well was? All right. She's a woman. And, and, you know, there's differences there. Most of us who are married can testify to some of those differences. Uh, But back then, it was even more so. Not only was it a difference in, uh, you know, anatomy and, and things like that, it was a difference in status as well. Men and women, all right? Those old bad days that thankfully are passing or past, all right? Nicodemus was a Jew. The woman at the well was a Samaritan. Now talk about status. These two groups had nothing to do with each other. They both accused each other of being apostate. 
of having corrupted the word of God. And even though they lived very near to each other, uh, they just didn't speak to each other much. They didn't have anything to do with each other. Uh, you know, the Good Samaritan is predicated upon this idea. And most of us that have studied the Bible realize that there was a problem between the Jews and the Samaritans. Nicodemus was an insider. He was one of the rulers of the Jewish people, whereas this woman was definitely an outsider even in her own society. As we begin to unpack her story, we see that she's not someone who's socially acceptable. She's not someone that's in the hierarchy. She's not even really, you know, included in polite society. Nicodemus was obviously a very educated man. We assume that this woman was an uneducated person. She just simply was doing her household duties, the duties really of a, of a servant girl. And uh, we just make that assumption that she's not someone who's been benefited from the system, but the system rather has served to hold her down. All right? Nicodemus is a moral leader. He's uh, one respected by the Jewish people as someone whose life lines up with, with the Word of God, whereas this particular woman has a very shameful past, and we'll explore that a little bit more. I know you did in your Bible classes as well. It's interesting to me that Nicodemus is named. What's this woman's name? The woman at the well, right? Which is a rather cumbersome name, but that's really all we ever get. She's just described We never do find out her name. And I think in tradition, Christian tradition, there is a name ascribed to her. And I can't, do you remember what that is, Chris? I can't remember either. But later Christian tradition just hated to have these unnamed people in the Bible. So they would find names and stick on them. And like the the wise men, the the magi, uh, they're named in, in tradition, but not in the Bible. But anyway. Uh, Nicodemus has the the privilege of being a named individual. This poor woman is just called the woman. Nicodemus knew of Jesus. As we find out in his story, he's been listening to things about Jesus, maybe even watching Jesus from afar. He'd been thinking about Jesus. And so Jesus was a person that he was drawn to, to go and talk to. The woman has a chance meeting. She had never even heard of Jesus before she goes out to that well and finds him sitting there. So that's a difference. Nicodemus, of course, comes to Jesus at night. And there's some reasons for that as far as his status goes. And we think about that. And there's a lot of wordplay in in John chapter 3 between seeing and darkness and night and all of that. Well, he comes at night, whereas the woman comes in broad daylight at noon. Well, those are some of the differences. And it just shows you that these two stories are wildly different. But the really interesting thing is to me, not just that these people are different, but the Jesus they meet is a different person. They don't meet the same Jesus. Whenever Nicodemus goes and talks to Jesus, he's one Jesus. When he talks to the woman, he seems to be someone else. Let me see if I can convince you of that idea. Let's look at Nicodemus and Jesus talking. Now, Nicodemus comes and he begins, he's very complimentary. He comes in and he calls Jesus rabbi, very respectful, teacher, rabbi. We know that you have to be from God. You are a teacher come from God because no one can do the things that you are doing unless he was sent by God himself. Now, wow, that is high praise, isn't it? 
How would you expect Jesus to receive that praise? You know, that, that would be like, wow, you're getting it, Nicodemus. You're understanding what I'm trying to do. Whereas all these other people, a lot of the, the leaders among the Jewish people, Nicodemus's uh, peers were going around saying, this guy's dangerous. We got to stop him. He's this uneducated guy from Galilee, and he's just doing, you know, they were, we got to get rid of him. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews that was saying, wow, you got to be from God to do this kind of stuff. It, it, it reminds me of the story of the scribe that came to Jesus and asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was. Remember that story? And how when Jesus and he had this conversation and the scribe said, you're right. You are right in saying what you've just said. Well, Jesus' response is, and you are not far from the kingdom of God. And that's what I would expect with this, with Nicodemus coming and saying, now my, my friends are all criticizing you, but, you know, you got to be from God. That Jesus would say, and you are not far from the kingdom of God. But Jesus does nothing of the kind. In fact, he goes totally the opposite direction. He gets in his face and says, i got to tell you something, Nicodemus. Unless you are born again, you will never even see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is just like, what are you talking about? What is this about being born from above or born again? What, what, what do you mean? And Jesus says, don't you understand that when you were born physically, you were born of the flesh. Flesh begets flesh. You know, flesh is born of flesh. But you need to be born of the spirit and only the spirit can give birth to spirit. So therefore, you must be born of the spirit again. You've got to understand that you haven't even been born yet. And Nicodemus says, I don't get this. And Jesus says, what? And you call yourself a teacher? You think of yourself as a teacher and you can't understand something as simple as this. And you say, Tommy, that's awfully harsh. Well, I think I'm reading it fairly accurately there. It's in-your-face type stuff. It's challenging him, calling him to account. And I guarantee you this is not the, the conversation that Nicodemus thought he was going to have when he went to see Jesus. I don't know what he thought they were going to talk about, but he didn't think about this because he had never thought about this before. And I wonder what he thought about the way Jesus just got in his face and said, unless you do these things, you're going to be left out. Now, that's the Jesus Nicodemus met. What about the Jesus the woman meets? She goes out at noon. There sits Jesus by the well, Jacob's well. And the disciples are gone. Of course, she doesn't know that. She doesn't know he's traveling with disciples. They've gone on into the Samaritan village in order to buy some food and get some lunch, which I got to say, I wish that John had followed them into that village. You know, for most of these disciples, my guess is this is the first time they've ever even walked through Samaria. Because most of the time, Jewish people traveling from Judea to Galilee went around Samaria. You know, they didn't want to even get corrupted by walking through the territory. And, and I almost know that, that these guys had never walked through one of the villages, much less gone and bought food there. I can just see them walking through like this, you know, like, don't touch anything, don't touch anything. You know, it, it's Samaritan stuff. But anyway, we got to leave them alone. Let's get back to Jesus. Here comes this woman. 
And she's come out at noon to draw water. Much has been made of this, that she's coming out at noon, because most of the time drawing water was an early morning activity or a late activity because of the heat of the day. But it's been said that, well, maybe she's trying to get out there when no one else is there because of all the stuff that's gone on in her life. But she goes out at noon. Jesus is sitting there. And as she walks up, I'm sure she's trying to be circumspect because she sees Jesus. She knows he's Jewish by the way he's dressed and the way he presents himself. So she's going over to the well to get her water, leave him alone. When Jesus says, would you give me a drink? And she's like, whoa, first of all, you spoke to me, you know, I was going to keep my head down, you keep, you know, but you spoke to me, and you're asking me for a drink? I don't see anything you've got to drink out of. You mean you're going to drink out of a Samaritan vessel? Whoa. Now, all these things are so far beyond our experience, although some of us in this room Any of y'all remember when you used to go to a public water fountain and there'd be two water fountains? And you were told which one you were to drink from because those two people could not share the same facilities? You go, wow, these days, that's just crazy. Why would we even think that? Well, Jesus asked for a drink of water and the woman says, you, a Jewish man, want me, a Samaritan woman, to give you a drink. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what, what I'd really like to do is give you a drink because I can see that you are thirsty. You are thirsty for something more than just a drink of water from this well. And I want to tell you that I have water to give you that is living water. The water I have to give you produces a spring of water within you. It's eternal life. And that if you drink of the water that I want to give you, you'll never be thirsty again. What a beautiful description of eternal life. Never being thirsty again. The woman says, I want some of that water. Jesus says, well, let's talk to your husband first. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Go get your husband. We'll discuss this. Well, there the woman's got a problem, doesn't she? She says, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and you've just given up on marriage. Now you're, you're just shacking up with this old guy, aren't you? You know? She goes, you got me. But what she doesn't, can't put together is, if Jesus knows all of this, why is he talking to her? And why is he being nice to her? And it's not accidental that she then begins talking about worship because a person in her situation has not been allowed into worship for quite some time. Not everybody was welcome to go to church. They had people standing there going, not you, not you. Or maybe even it was just peer pressure of everybody looking at her. But she starts saying, well, where are we supposed to worship? Are we supposed to go to this mountain or are we supposed to go to Jerusalem? And Jesus said, let me tell you something that you're going to be so glad to hear. That the time is coming and it's really already here. Well, it doesn't matter so much where. What matters is that you come to God in spirit and truth. And if you will worship him in spirit and truth, God will accept you. Do you hear the gentleness In Jesus' voice. 
Do you hear the healing in his words? Chapter 3, confrontational Jesus. Chapter 4, the Jesus of compassion. Well, let me ask you a question. Why the difference? And you know the answer to that. You say, well, it's different people. They have different needs. And Jesus is addressing the need of whoever it is that he's talking to. And you're right. You're exactly right. Nicodemus was someone on the inside. He was one of the the, the guys that had risen to the top. He was pretty glad about where he was and who he was. And he wasn't going anywhere else. And Jesus took him and shook him and said, you've been here long enough, let's go. You've got other places to go. You've got more to be. The woman had been beaten up. All these wounds that she had, many of them self-inflicted, but still yet life had been very cruel to her. And she needed healing and compassion and stability. And Jesus gave her that. Question. Which Jesus do you want to meet? Which Jesus do you want to be a part of your life? Confrontational or compassionate? Well, that's an okay question, but let me ask you a better question. Which Jesus do you need to meet? Where you are right now, what does Jesus need to say to you. You see, I've observed something, and I, it's just me, I just my observations, but I think that we tend to look for just the opposite Jesus than we really need. You know, when we get beat up, when some of the wounds that we have are self-inflicted, when we're embarrassed to be ourselves, when we're ashamed of ourselves, We try to keep some distance between us and Jesus because we're afraid he's going to grab us by the collar and shake us and says, what are you doing? I can't believe you've let me down again. Yet when Jesus finds those who are bleeding and sad and needy, it's the Jesus of compassion that comes to them. And so oftentimes when I'm feeling good about Tommy, man, I did my devotional time all week, you know. Things are going pretty well. Don't really have any problems. Then Jesus is warm and fuzzy. I love him, love him, love him. Always glad to have him right here with me. We're just buds, you know. And I think at those times Jesus wants to turn around and take me and say, Tommy, you can be more than this. You can do more than this. There's more out there than this. You've been here long enough. Let's go. The challenge of John chapters 3 and 4 is can we let Jesus be Jesus and let him decide what he needs to tell us? Can we come into his presence and simply say, here I am, Lord, And let him wash over us with his healing and his compassion and his mercy and grace. Or dare we let him stand us up and say, okay, we need to fix some things. These chapters call us to let him make that choice. But most of all, they call us to come into his presence to allow him 
to do what we need him to do. We're going to stand. We're going to sing a song. It's called the Song of Invitation. Some of our leaders of this congregation will be standing around these rooms. These guys know Jesus. Yeah, we, we all need to come back and be corrected by him at times, but, but they've met him, they know him, and they'll be glad to help you make room in your life for Jesus to come and to give you what you need to have. And you're invited while we sing this to make your way to one of these and to pray and to counsel with them. Let's stand and sing. Well, good morning, and welcome. It's good to see you all, especially those of you who are visiting with us, and uh, we want to invite you to be back anytime, and if you're visiting with us and you're searching for a spiritual family to call home, uh, we sure think this is it, and we'd invite you to get to know us and uh, see if you don't want to be part of this family that seeks to give glory and honor to God. Isn't it wonderful that We worship a Lord, a Savior, a Jesus that knows what we need even when we don't so many times. I'd remind you to be sure and hang on to your pew bulletin, just right here, because there's just a number of people that certainly uh, covet our prayers. People that are going through difficult times, and uh, remember them in your personal prayers this week. If you would like to... uh, Spend time in prayer or discussion with one of the elders. Uh, Some of us will be back in the parlor, which is outside the auditorium to your right, and then the room on your left. You'll see see some of the vultures standing out there. But uh, if you just want to spend some time and and talk in prayer, well, there'll be those there that will be more than happy to spend some time with you. Let's pray together. Father, we... We thank you for who you are, for being our creator, our God, and our Father, and for loving us beyond what we can imagine. Father, we thank you for all the blessings that you shower down upon us each day. And Father, especially we're thankful for this church, this family that gathers at this place, and for the strength and encouragement that we gather from each other as we strive to follow you. And Father, we pray that you would help us to grow in our love for you and our love for each other, that we might be a bright and shining light in this place. Father, we do have so many needs that we continue to come to you with. We have so many people that are sick and hurting, people that are battling cancer. And Father, we just pray for healing and for comfort. We have families who have lost family members to death. And Father, we just pray that you would give them comfort. And Father, all of us just struggle with the difficulties of life, <clears throat> problems that, uh, that just sometimes seem to be overwhelming, struggles with addiction, with, with family problems, with problems at work. And Father, we just pray that you would give us a special measure of your spirit as we go through life each day. Father, we continue to ask you to be with our military personnel, our troops, particularly those in harm's way. We ask that you'd watch over them, keep them safe. And Father, we continue to ask you for rain, and we pray for rain that will fill our rivers and lakes, that this uh, dry and thirsty land may be quenched. 
Father, be with each of us as we go through our daily walk this week. Pick us up when we fall and give us the strength to do better through your Spirit. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. If you would be standing for the blessing. We'll have our blessing, and then I think Chris has an announcement he wants to share with us after, and then we'll have our closing song. Our blessing this morning comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father encourage you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say, amen. Yeah, and actually, uh, everybody sit down real quick. And Jason, can I say that? Jason is a new member.